Welcome to Voices in the Back. Over the next few weeks, we'll be having conversations with BIPOC Minnesota artists on the topic of racial issues, and at the end, a performance. We'd like to thank all our sponsors for their support, including the Minnesota Music Coalition, the Hook and Ladder Theater, Indeed Brewing Company, First Avenue, The Warming House, and The Current, along with funding from the Metropolitan Regional Arts Council for helping us make this series possible. If you'd like to support us and help keep our series going, please donate to our Give Minnesota page, either on the screen right now or linked below. Make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter using our handle, at Voices in the Back. Right, welcome to Voices in the Back. We are honored to have with us today Taylor Seberg. Thank you so much for being here. Um, man, should we just get into it? Yeah, Let's just good. get into it. Yeah. Could you start by just introducing yourself, um, maybe what you do and where you call home? My name is Taylor Seberg. I'm, I identify as a Kenyan, a Kenyan American artist. My grandfather is from Nairobi. Um, and, you know, I do, I'm a multi-instrumentalist. I play about five or six different instruments, including like key, keys, guitar, flute, uh, bass, drums, wow. kalimba, a bunch of different, you know, hit me up afterwards. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> but I play in a band uh, called the Black Velvet Punks, which is an all-black uh, jazz punk ensemble, hip-hop jazz punk ensemble that I put together two and a half years ago with Roderick Glasper from Black, in a band called Black Madonna and Travion Dunlap. Um, and I've been I've been super uh, grateful to make music with them because, you know, Hook and Ladder Theater was actually one of the venues that we played a uh, Queen tribute show with Freddie Ready Freddie. So, um, I've I've been gigging so much that I kind of have for lost track. But I also <laughs> like love I you know it's hard. COVID is a hard thing with for a lot of artists for a lot of us because. A lot of, for a lot of us, it's our lifeblood. It's our it's what keeps our mental health and you know stable and grounded. So I'm kind of figuring out how to navigate without live performance. So yeah, yeah. For sure. Well, speaking of COVID, what's been getting you through this pandemic? Yeah. Um, what's been getting me through the pandemic? Uh, I've been watching a lot of new movies. Lovecraft Country came out this year. Um, which was directed by Misha Green and produced by Jordan Peele. I want to stress Misha Green produced it because a woman directed and produced that, and Jordan Peele produced it. So I wanted to like yep. say like he's being heralded as being the director, and it was a black woman who did. But um, it's just cool because it's like media. There's so much media coming out now about like black artists and just black people that doesn't have to deal with a, like a pain around our trauma. And it's specifically like black people being into science, like astronauts, Afrophysicists, like all different types of stuff. And um, I really like media that's just like talking about like the weight, like black excellence and not always centering on our, the harm and pain that we experience. Because I feel like that's, we need both. We don't just need like trauma porn. We don't just need like a lot of things kind of reflecting on our pain, but also things that are like, hey, you're the spectrum of things that we also are interested in. We're interested mm -hmm. in science and like mathematics and shit too. I love Bill Nye, the science guy. I'm not Who doesn't? Lie. I'm Bill not gonna <laughs> lie. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. So I'm in, you know, from little fifth grade me, you know, I was geeked, you know. 
You gotta be over Bill Nye. Bill Nye, the science guy. <laughs> Bill Nye got like pretty political. Like I love how he, he did. Was he just, got he went in. He was just like you're he went do- hardcore, you, and I was like, yes. Have you, guys, have you guys seen him on um on TikTok? He's been making TikTok videos too. Is Bill yeah. Nye's on TikTok. He's, he swore he, he would be, he would be invited to the cookout. He is such yes. a wow. real. He's a nigga. I said. <laughs> There's so many black people that I like, know. What? I'm like, Bill Nye, though, he's honorary. He can be invited to cook. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So when we were last speaking, um, we were talking a little bit about your project, The Art of the Revolution. Do you want to talk a little bit about that and just, like, what um, inspired you to create that? I, me and my roommates immediately, you know, we were doing a lot of volunteering at North Minneapolis. Um a lot of like pop-up food, food drive and things like that. But, you know, we kept saying like, what more can we do? What more can we do? And so we ended up being like, well, let's do what we know best as artists. Let's throw a show. And so we ended up throwing a benefit show, a George Floyd and Black Lives Matter um, memorial concert. Um, and we did it. And the thing is, is like, one of my roommates was like a Peace Corps volunteer. He got 20 volunteers and we did a community cookout and we got like a bunch of food donated and we did a pop-up, you know, donation drive in, in, t- in tandem with Pillsbury House Theater and, and um, Powderhorn Park Neighborhood Association. And we raised over $1,500 and we had like over 10 different like black arts performers like perform. And so right after, um, you know, I, I had a stint of like mental health depression stuff. I didn't want to do anything. I didn't want to do any curations. I, I didn't want to get out of bed. Like, really, honestly, I was like, everything is horrible. This is not a great thing. And then Jacques, um, Jacques, um, Elat, Elat Josh, who's a, he's a French-African uh, DJ who's in Douara Soul Collective, he ended up reaching out to me, and he went, we need to do something. We need to do something, you know? Like, and it's his positive energy, and he's, like, in his, like, very... You know, we can do this. We can, we can, we can create community. Honestly, he's the one that made me go like, okay, let's make an album. Let's take the same artist and maybe invite some new folks. Um, and we didn't perform at the show, and let's let's do an album together. And so, you know, me and my roommate Josh, you know, Joshua Kep, like we we put together the schematics of what we're gonna do, and like, okay, we're gonna do half of the artists. We're gonna, you know, record half of them in our house in our basement where we had like a vocal booth and stuff that he had built you know, from scrach, and then half of it we went to the Tilsner Artist Lofts in downtown St. Paul, where Black Dog um, Coffee and Wine Bar is, and Rob Hagen filmed, uh, recorded the other half. And so, and the thing is, is like everybody, there was so many mixing engineers, like all Holly Hansen from Zoo Animal, and everyone just came together, and they just like, were like, we're gonna work on this project. And so it was cool, and including like the, the live streamer, Rachel Noel, who had shot like, she had shot like six hours of the live stream for the concert. And so that's, that's how the album came about, and we recorded 10 black artists, and we, we you know, it's, it's been a great experience. I really, really love everyone that is on the project. I love everyone who is at the show, and, and yeah. Yeah, I get you on the pandemic and trying to <laughs> figure out figure out how to manage your mental health because yeah depression and anxiety that's what I got and like it's it's not easy like another thing that like isn't easy I'm assuming is like you know just um, your experience with being um, both black and trans what is that experience like being in Minnesota and being in the music scene so it's interesting because I have I like <laughs> I like to say like there's a social totem pole, right? Like you think about it like through native 
um, like native totems and like totem poles. But I think about the fact that like I would be considered the lowest on the social totem pole in, in terms of like I don't like to play oppression Olympics. I don't like to be like who is benefiting more from things, who is benefiting less from things. But at the same time, I like to acknowledge um, dynamics. I do. I like to acknowledge like here's what it looks like when a white man is in a space, like in in how his words are received by an audience versus a black man or what have you. Um, and so, I I didn't I didn't grow up here. I wasn't raised here. Um, my mom is originally from North Minneapolis, um, and, her, and I have a lot of family from North Minneapolis. But I was born abroad. I was born in Germany um, in Kusel. I was a military brat, and then I was raised in five different countries after that. Um, and when I came to Minnesota in 2011, it, I was 18, and I remember it being like. Like, this is a very different cultural landscape for me. Like, mm -hmm. very different. <laughs> like, I grew up in a very direct cultural community, like a community that's very, like, you know, will tell you how they feel about you to your face. Very, you know, very, and be very intimate with you even. Like, you know, kissing on the cheek, very European yeah. styles of mm -hmm. communication and directness and greeting. Um, and so to come here, it was literally colder. It was, I mean, it was colder environmentally and it was colder uh, culturally. Like, it was... Yep. Breaking into the scene was so difficult um, initially, uh, and I mean, I like to say like there's one specific show that really helped, you know, me go like go into the music scene, and that was opening for Chastity Brown's album release show, Silhouette of Sirens in 2017. Like, if she hadn't reached out to me on Facebook Messenger and just been like, "Hey, do you want to play this show?" I wouldn't have been introduced to the scene because it was that show that kind of like made people go oh who is this person and so like blackness for me in minnesota was really hard because i was like i'm such a vocal direct person that sometimes having to swallow and silence myself especially when working in nonprofits, has been such a hard disconnect and i feel like i've often had to choose between like do i want to excel in this realm or do i want to like be authentic to my identity and that's been a very I think when, it's been a hard thing to juggle with ever since I've, you know, been living like, you know, 22, 21. Um, and then being trans, being trans is like an identity that I, that I, I really, there's actually somebody on the album, like, like uh, Tatiana Hanorf is an Afro-Latinx, um, also black guitarist who is gender non-binary and Miss Pinky and the Great Fox. Um, and it's really interesting to see them be like, oh yeah, I think I'm gender non-binary. And I'm like, yeah. I mean, the, a lot of what I grew up with was like, I grew up in an all male household um, and then my mom. And I always had identified as like, yeah, I don't identify with a lot of cis woman things. Like I, I haven't my entire life. Um, and it was cool because coming to Minnesota, I was like, also, you know, there was like Dua Salah and there was like all these great artists who were also coming out as being African and being gender non-binary and I was like, wow, they're paving the pathway for like coming out about this, especially because being African and being trans is such a very, like it's a very specifically like, you know, like you have to be really careful about, um, about how you do it because it's a lot of African countries are still very homophobic, a lot of African countries are still criminalized to be gay openly so it's do you think expressions of blackness are also sometimes as limited um in the same way that gender expression can be people are just very binary minded like it's it's this or that right do you feel like race can also be kind of 
boxed in the way that it's expressed or understood? Definitely. I, I So I grew up in a mixed family. My All my brothers are half white, half black, um, and we're all half siblings. They all had um, white fathers, and then my dad was the, like, my dad was a, was a black man, my mom's a black woman. Um, and the thing is, because I grew up culturally in both Europe and in America, when my parents divorced, I saw the difference between how we were treated as a mixed family being in Europe versus being in America. And in Europe, it was like a lot of people, even in Paris, you know, there was a lot of um, African immigrants who had uh, married Parisian uh, Parisian women and then like had mixed kids so a lot of when we were there they actually spoke to us in French because they were, they were like oh you're French like they were instantly like oh you were and we had to tell them like in French no we're not we're you know <laughs> we're, we're not we're not French but um, in America I mean I remember it was like 1999 you know as we were in southern Virginia and we we're in, in like it was either Hampton or Norfolk I always forget but um I remember distinctly my like little sibling just getting like the angriest glare from a cashier in a restaurant or in a grocery store because they were they were mixed and they were very noticeably like you know green hazel eyes and like redhead blonde hair but like you know looked definitely like both kind of like my mom and my stepdad and I just remembered seeing like the instant hatred you know like the instant hatred of like we don't like your kind. And the thing is, is like, I've gotten the instant hatred of like, we don't like your kind because I'm dark skinned and I'm black. And so I've always had this kind of semblance with my family where I'm, I, I, I don't understand their pain, but I, I have seen and witnessed it so long that I've been like, oh yeah, there are critical things that need to change in the black community. And I honestly think that the issue with even race is tied into transness because even just the fact that there's so many black men who feel threatened by trans women and they think like trans women threaten their masculinity like if i'm attracted to trans women or if i'm whatever that's and it's like n you don't understand no you know and so many things are projections like of other people's insecurities that have nothing to do and it's like one of those things where i'm like if you believe in black liberation for all black people you should believe in like accepting black mixed bodies, accepting black trans bodies, accepting all of these bodies because it's all black, you know? And it's very hard because I think sometimes being somebody who's third cultured, like identify as someone who has grown up with a different cultural experience in three different, you know, areas of the world, like American, European, Kenyan, you know, it's, it's like, I hate how sometimes people get locked into this idea of like, this is what blackness is. And I'm like, no. Blackness is a constantly fluctuating, amazing, that's what makes it amazing. Blackness is a spectrum. It's, it's, a, it's a lot, there's a lot that comes into blackness and black identity. And so I think it's really limiting when people think that way, like this is what being black is like. But I definitely remember being a kid and being like, I can't speak multiple languages because that's not black. Or I can't be intelligent because it's not black. And, and that being told to me by other black kids, you know, who were told that by, by white teachers. And it's all, it's, you know, it's all a funnel, you know, it's all like a funnel of, of things and it's, and it's hard and, and it's something to deconstruct that has been put onto us by white people, I honestly feel like. Yeah, so I was thinking about kind of the, the, the grind, the hustle that you innately have within you. So, you know, when you were speaking upon um, George Floyd's murder and you're just like, we gotta do some shit and you rallied the troops, so to speak, and was just like, we're just doing this thing, right? Um, 
did any of that kind of translate to you as an artist too and as a musician as someone who's just like i'm taking the resources that i have and this is like this is just what's gonna happen now um you know because i know you you wear many hats and so i was just wondering if you could kind of speak on like i don't know like where does that where does that drive come from um any and just kind of to on the end of that is there any advice you would sort of give to someone who's like i'm trying to get a foot in the door you know as as an artist um what would you say to them yeah um the drive is hard because i had a mom who you know she used to wake me up at 6 a.m every day and she wouldn't let me just sit around the house first of all (laughs) if i was sitting around the house on the couch watching tv she would find something for me to do you know like there was no way I was <laughs> sitting around the house casually. <laughs> it wasn't, that wasn't something she was letting me do. But uh, so I, I think I, the hustle for me always came from my mom. You know, always came from the fact that she, and she would even tell me, she would say, you have to learn how to be proactive and not reactive. And I think like, and she would, she would tell me that, you know, like all the time, like every single, <laughs> every single day almost. She would say, you have to be proactive and not reactive. And I think that statement really landed hard for me because every single time I would be like well it's just gonna get handed to me or I can just like expect to wait and it'll happen and then when it wouldn't happen I would be like well why is it not happening and it's like oh because I'm not you know it's it's one of the things where it's like a closed mouth doesn't get fed right like it's like if you don't speak up you won't receive it and the sad thing is I think a lot of white people they just receive it and that was something that I also realized about America was like oh there are tons of mediocre white people who can just exist and receive things versus if I don't say anything I won't get anything so I have to say I have to ask for it and sometimes I have to demand it and I have to be very specific about what I'm demanding because also like if I demand in a certain way this can be viewed as intimidating or threatening so I also have to be very careful about how I'm coming about that um and and for me, I was telling, uh, I work at Minnesota Youth Collective and I was telling our digital artist fellows who are like in college, I was telling them like, you know, one thing that you always need to do, I feel like at the start of your artist career is just say yes to everything within reason. Like if it's somebody that's like asking you to pay to perform, don't do that. Don't, every t- anytime you have to pay to perform, don't do it. <laughs> it's a trap. Straight up, it, d- just don't do it. You should never have to do that. And second of all, it's like, you know, just, Sometimes cold emailing and cold calling does help. Just being like, hey, here's my press kit. Here's all my songs. Here's all my videos. Like, I really want to perform at this venue at this date. Can we make it work? Because I think a lot of people, like, even just, like, getting the initiative. Like, I know so many talented musicians who don't know how to market themselves. And that ends up, like, I didn't go to college for music. I actually went to college for communications and digital media arts. So I went for graphic design and I went for videography, which is how I got super into that realm. Um, but I actually didn't go for music. Music was something that was I didn't want to pursue. Uh, when I was like, you know, 18 to 22, I was like, nah, I don't want to pursue music. I want to, you know, have a business degree or do design or work in a design studio. And just the fact that it kind of came about that way, I pulled a lot of efforts that I had already built up in, in other passions that ended up directly influencing when I wanted to do art because I was like, oh, I already know how to market market other people you know like I'm just going to transfer that over into what I'm doing with my own work and um, so for me the process was really is easy because I already had 
this like background and like PR and stuff like that. But I wanted to break it down because PR is really gross and like the ad world is really gross. So I was like, I don't want to like do what they're doing. I want to do what I'm. I want to do things in a new way. Um, and so for me, yeah, for me, it's like say yes to everything. I said yes to a lot of things that like honestly just help me get connected and help people like even just see me and be like, oh, I saw you at this event. I'm going to book you for this thing because I saw you at this thing. And now, you know, that's now a, a platform. So I feel that. I think the first time I ever performed, someone just been like, hey, you want to do this open mic? <laughs> like at high school. And I was just like, yes. <laughs> and like deep down, I was like, no. No, what are you doing? And, but like that changed my life. I mean, that I was like, oh, I guess I'm doing this now. Um, <laughs> when you were talking about don't ever pay to play, it's yeah, it. No, Yo, the, the, the thing here's what. Okay, here's my own personal thing related to that. I the I hate when people be like, you know, nah, we can't pay you, but you'll get to sell your merchandise. And I'm like, that's tight. That's not like some bonus benefit shit like i should be able to just do that like you're not you know what i'm saying that's not something you're giving me it's not like a plus like no it would be weird if you didn't allow me to sell merchandise after i did a show so yeah anyways that just that brought that up how dare you have hats that you want to sell? You can't make money off of this. Right. Like, we'll sell your hats, but for 15% of a price, right. we'll take the commission. I'm like, what? <laughs> then I don't want to sell them. Uh, meet me in the parking lot. I'll show you some hats. <laughs> I'll just sell mixtapes out of the trunk of my car. That's that's all I need anyways. <laughs> what additions would you make to the Minnesota music scene to make it more inclusive and diverse and just better in general? I don't think you should ask me this question. <laughs> <laughs> I did a I did a photo shoot with Music in Minnesota in front of the Turf Club, and uh, Chris Chris Taylor, he's a great photographer. He ended up filming or he ended up shooting my band in front of the uh, um, Turf Club, and Fox Nine News came and they did an interview, and I I tried so hard because they're doing Save the Stages, so they're doing like a campaign for like donate money to all the venues. And honestly, like Hook and Ladder is one of the places that I was like, I really vouch for this place. Management's great, dope. Um, but I have a really complex relationship with venues. Like I think A, they're run by white men. And I think they're run by like very sus, like, like you know, also white men who use their position of power as a booker or as a what have you to also like kind of veto and deny people. And that also is like a power dynamic that is very harmful. There's been some people who are very like, you know, sexually predatory in the music scene who run venues. I mean, I think that's just like, that's like national. You know, you could, you, I feel like there's many different people I talk to in different states, different cult cultures and countries who have been like, yeah, that's like, that's a pretty synonymous like reality for a lot of performers is like we have to, and the music business is often viewed as being this kind of grody business where people have to like figure out ways where they can work their way up to the top especially women especially femme-bodied people like how to how to do that ethically and and be authentic to yourself and your and your vision of what you want to do and not be controlled by a label or controlled by anything and so what i would change is like a putting women of color and femme people and queer people and trans people at the forefront of management just point blank like yep. if you have management Put one person, <laughs> like, put one person of color in there, put one queer person in there. Like, you know, it's like, because I feel like that alone would drastically change 
so much of the landscape of the venue scene. What are some artists that you'd want to see on VITV? Dr. Vanzilla Tribune for sure. Um, I mean, any of the artists on the album, I really, really like all the artists on the album. Uh, Queen Dre is great. Static Panic, which is a... Uh, uh, like a electro funk band that is probably the closest to the semblance of like Prince's sound, Minneapolis sound um, that I can think of, which is like this electro funk, like kind of like pop feel. Um, and and um, Ro Lorenzen is, is also trans, trans black um, artist. Yeah, so there's a lot of people in the Twin Cities who like are killing it and are doing a lot of music. And I think like it's hard because COVID is like kind of keeping a lot of people dormant, but it's also like that's. Yeah, there's a lot of great talent in the cities that I feel like should definitely be put on more. Definitely. Um, and then also, is there anything that you would want to plug? I'm waiting. <laughs> <laughs> I think. I think. I think that's it for that's it for me. Because yeah. um, he talked about the art of the revolution pretty pretty extensively. Yeah. I would just say like. Um, yeah, if you can, please, please promote and support those artists because they're the fact that during quarantine, during COVID, we were able to like put together this like 10 song compilation album of Twin Cities artists and make it like a mutual aid fund. We ended up getting, I think we did end up getting like over $1,500 as well in the fundraiser so far for the album. So we were able to pay out the, the engineers and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I. I like really just want people to support these artists because they mean a lot to me and I also think like I'm learning that in this time you need to just say I love you to the people who matter most and like really hang on to those relationships because you don't really know everything is really uncertain right now so um, I'm just slowly trying to adapt to everything yeah, it. thank you so much for being here yeah, um, thank you. Yeah, it was an honor Hi. just to, to talk with you and I feel like we could just Go on. <laughs> yeah. do we'll volume go two. On. We're gonna have shots, part y'all. three. <laughs> <laughs> Give it up for Taylor Seaberg, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're gonna have shots too. The, c the crew is gonna have shots as well. They don't know it yet, but that's <laughs> kidding. Voices in the back is proud to present Taylor Seaberg. Shut me up, I'm trying to hurt 
America got no emotions for you. Yeah, we just pity the fool. Neighborhoods buying up tools, and we're afraid of the flu. Man, what the fuck can you do? Communists once tried to kill us. They said history moves sickly in his vision. Man, I'm just praying that my friends coming with me. I'm just praying that my friends coming with me. Yeah, why you so fucking critical? Man, run it up the elliptical. Your politics in my cinephile. Keep running, nigga, you gon' catch a cold. My brother dead in the streets alone. You bring guns to the motherfucking capital. Don't call the cops on your fucking phone. My world is gone, yours is business as usual. song I've I've done in Spanish. I did it uh an SPNN with my roommate Beatriz Nima um October at the end of October I told him like October like twenty second or something. So we have like a full performance that will be broadcast through SPNN but yeah. She's Portuguese and yeah she's she does a verse that's pretty fire so
up a battlefield with sin. Got a Jekyll hide that I'm battling within. Trying really hard now not to give in, but I caught a choke smoke with some leaders of this gin. I'm trying hard not to catch the Holy Ghost. Got this weed smoke now, I'm killing all you hoes. Now you barely functional, still a walking ghost. No, I can barely breathe. In my belly, six feet below, and I miss the fucking snow. Wrapped around, my heart is cold. My trauma filled with snow, and my heart is wrapped in gold. Barry six feet below, heart is wrapped in gold. When we go in the battle, you better talk solo. Soy un pecado y te gusta. 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 Mineras con vergüenza. Y ella quedaron sin palabras. Mineras con vergüenza. Y ella quedaron sin palabras. I'm not human. I'm just dirty. Am I not human? Am I just dirty? Call us unworthy. Am I just dirty? Call us unworthy. Am I just dirty? Get on your game, don't back down, babe. Even when you act a freak, you act like a lady. But your etiquette is what makes you famous. Do what you want, fuck, baby, be shameless. So they say that I'm dangerous. I'm a queen negro, trying to avoid white entertainment. I'm not a slave, but I'm trapped, and this enslaved me. And I'm in a motherfucking cage, man. Come to no surprise. The people I care for, I run from most. A feverish hand closing around my throat. Anxiety ridden, I'm getting close to losing my line. Where's your light? Where's your hope? Am I human? Am I dirty? Am I human? Am I just dirty? Call us my study color somewhere my study my not human my study my not human my study